Hello, everybody. Welcome to Shatter the Glass. I'm your host, Zane Tomich, and we have a very awesome guest with us today. You haven't seen him in a long time. It's been a long time, but I'm happy to have him back. And we're here at Alice Embroidery to do it. His business, Sean O'Grasick. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing well, Zane. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Really happy to be here. Hey, nice, nice. It's nice to see some good weather out there today. Uh, it's early morning. We're getting things going, getting a start on the weekend. It's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit different than uh, minus 40 there last week or so, hey? Yep, it was cold. It was cold for sure. You, you got a new vehicle I see there, hey? You know what? I got lucky and I got rid of my truck, which I got almost what I paid for it. And I got a Dodge Durango. So I'm trying something new. It's got a Hemi, of course. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to drive. Oh, it's got the Hemi, hey? I, yeah. I love Hemis. It's got the Hemi. You betcha. Was yeah. that the selling point for you, the Hemi? No, it was, uh, you know, I had a few things going wrong with my truck. So I, got, I was getting them fixed and they were going to cost some money. And this just made sense for me. So I, so I got this truck and it's more of an SUV and uh, it'll haul boxes. I found the truck hard to get boxes out of the back. So this thing here for doing deliveries and, and hauling people around, I think it's going to be pretty good. So I'm excited to give it a shot. See, I still got my Ford Ranger 2011. And I, I'm at that point now where I've, I've had it since high school and I'm 26. So I'm looking for an upgrade. I want to get an SUV myself. What are you thinking? I mean, a Durango is really nice. But yeah. I don't think I'm at that point um, financially to, to afford something like that. I think I need something kind of in the mid-range. Yeah. Um, I really like uh, escapes. Yeah. Escapes yeah. are nice. Yeah. Or Morgan like... has an escape, actually. We bought a, an escape about a year ago when COVID was hitting. And you know what? It's got a three-cylinder EcoBoost engine. Mm. It's very good. I I bought this vehicle, the new Chrysler, um, <clears throat> off of Richard Rivard. I thought it was important that I bought bought the vehicle in Leduc. It made a it, it made a lot of sense to me as a business guy working in Leduc, buying my vehicle locally um, from a dealer in my limits. And uh, that was more important than anything to me. So so I bought that vehicle here in Leduc and uh, and I'm supporting my town, which is important to me. So so I can say now that I I bought this vehicle in Leduc and that's important to me. And and I think the Chrysler product I like their bells and whistles and their polish and the cool stuff like the stereos, the big wheels, the the Hemi engine. I don't drive a, a lot of kilometers, so the V8 engine to me isn't a big deal, and it's a lot of fun. You see, I don't understand the hate that Ford gets. I've had that Ranger for, you know, several years, and I haven't had one damn problem with it. I've had a couple of things I had to replace, like the brakes and the tires naturally. But that's about it, really. It's been a reliable vehicle. What, why, do you, why is there hate behind Ford? I don't think there is hate. I think, I think Ford's, the F-150 is the, the number one selling truck of all time. Um, I think what happens to you is you're either a Ford guy, a Chevy guy, or a Dodge guy. And that's bred into you from when you're a kid. And it's hard to break out of that. I, 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 was a, I came from a Chevy family where people drove Chevys. And that's what they had to have. And then I then Dodge came along and started making these cool trucks at a price that was unbeatable compared to a Chevy. And I'm I'm a guy about value. And uh, now now Dodge has gotten more expensive with their trucks, but I think that I think the premium product that they produce at a price is pretty good. I always look for a good deal on stuff, um, so it's always been good to me. But I would buy a Chevy in a second or a Ford. Like like I, I'm a consumer that shops for a good deal. 
Um, and in Leduc, there's a lot of good dealers. Like we bought Nissan over the years. Alice has a Nissan. Morgan has a Ford. Like this Ford Escape, I would buy one of those in a second. It's an incredible vehicle. Three-cylinder EcoBoost that's got more power than you could ever dream of at a price that, that knocks you out. It's like, uh, it's unbelievable. Like it's got Apple CarPlay and on the ice and so it drives like you would not believe. It's an unbelievable Yeah, there, there was a time when when I wanted to have like a big vehicle, whether it was like a Hummer or like yeah. just, just some kind of stupid raised truck. Yeah. And I think that's a phase for some people. It is. And, and I'm at a point now where I just want something that's reliable, compact, and can fit in a parking space. You know? Yeah, yeah. Command start, heated steering wheel. And get through the snow, of Warm course. Warm seats. Yeah. You know, Apple CarPlay, GPS. Those are key features these days that kids want. Um, and in the end, if you treat your car right, it's actually giving you something back these days, whereas vehicles used to be a total loss. Well... That 2017 truck that I just got rid of, I think I paid 42.5 for it, and I got 40,000 for it after driving it for four years. Now the economy's changed, and there's there's shortage on vehicles, and I probably paid more than this vehicle than what I would have paid four years ago. But but the value in the vehicle, if you look after it and put your money and time into it, you will get a return on your vehicle in the end, and that's important because it is an investment these days versus a, you know a loss, right? Yeah, that's a good time to mention my dad and his truck, the the GMC Sierra. I think yeah. it's a, either 2000 or 2001. I think it's a 99. A 99. Okay, it's a 99, and it's it's just polished. It's Three-quarter ton. Yeah, that short box. And that truck is worth a lot of money right now. Your dad doesn't realize what he's sitting on right there. Well, and here's the thing, too. We've talked about this, him and I. Um, you know, if I'm a good boy, that might go to me eventually. Because that's, that's a truck, you can't really put a price on it anymore. It's one of those kind of vehicles that you just need to keep around. You well, know? I, well, I know he's got a dream. The dream of getting a new truck in his life. And it's coming. I know he's got a plan. And he's pumped. So that truck will have to get bought by somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. But it's a great truck. You want to put, hey, you want a cool truck? Put some nice wheels on it. Um, that truck is very cool and very in demand right now. Very cool truck. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, the right color. It's an, it's and not like a like a really standout red. It's like a burgundy. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and well treated. Like, hey, you get any crumbs on the seats on that thing, and those crumbs are cleaned up immediately. Look, look, look out! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> remember so, the remember the time you eat fries in there? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. What what else have we been up to, Sean? Uh, I I know we uh, had a really good summer for golfing. I was working out there. You were golfing out there. We golfed at least one round together. Uh, yeah, how yeah. did your game go? My game was okay. I didn't get any better or any worse. I wasn't into the golf as much this year. Um, I bought an old truck, and that old truck kind of kept me kind of busy. I I, I kind of hit the the uh, the classic car circuit for a while on the weekends, which was going to car shows walking around, um, drinking a coffee and looking at cars and meeting people. And I, I saw a lot of cool technology, a lot of stuff that guys had done and produced in their garages. Um, like I saw a lot of guys who were proud of their workmanship, a lot of really cool vehicles. Um, I got to understand the, the love of car shows and the, and the way people look after their vehicles. And, and this truck I bought was kind of already fixed up. It was a 72 Chevy. Um, 
and it it became kind of a thing that I kind of did. I I drove the truck all summer, and it was kind of a, a kind of something that I just liked doing. So so I didn't go to the golf course as much. I did go there a bit, um, but you know what? I got out to the car shows, and then I got car showed out probably by about August because I'd seen every gold car in town. <laughs> so it's kind of like maybe I better just get doing something else for a while. Now I've seen that truck of yours yeah. in in the golf course parking lot when I was working. Oh and, yeah, and you did the smart thing. You parked away from the uh, the 18th hole there where you yeah. get bombarded by balls. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a truck, though. Like, I, I, I use it to haul stuff. And uh, and that was another reason why I got rid of my truck, because I've got a an old classic truck now. So if I want to haul a, a couch or a chair or a whatever, I can use that truck. But it is, there's something about walking out in the morning and firing up your old truck with a V8 that's got a little growl to it and driving down the road and by the way, every Chevy guy and every car lover that comes by, uh, you know, like I had sore thumbs by the end of the summer because every guy that drives by, he sticks his thumbs up and goes, yeah, <laughs> thumbs up, right? So that was a bit of a joke. My thumbs were sore all summer from giving guys the thumbs up. But yeah, guys would jump out of their truck to give you the thumbs up. So it's pretty exciting stuff uh, and a lot of fun. Like the crowd that is in the car show world is uh, is, is down to earth. Um, down home, back home, wants to know about you, show you what they've been doing type of crowd. It's it's a great, great crowd to hang around with. So, See, I'm not like a huge car person in terms of like the makeup of it and going through every bit of detail with that car inside and out. But talking to an old timer like that, who's got like an old classic, uh, I could I could literally listen to them all day because of their knowledge and just how passionate they are about it. It's really cool. Yeah, they've got a, yeah, there's a, there's a, a proudness about what they do. Like, like a lot of these guys, you know, they make parts for their cars. They, 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 they make them cooler and better and, and these parts they produce. So, so you see stuff at the car shows, a guy will show you something he did, like a, like a topper on the back of his truck that's hydraulic or, or he's got an air ride or he's got this and that, right? Or. And you go, holy cow, man, like, that's crazy. How'd you even do this? And he'll tell you how he did it. And it's like, you know, and then he'll, he'll want to help you do it if you need it. Right. So, so it's a pretty, like I say, it's very interesting. Um, and it's, and it's a, a great way to spend a, a day. You know, it's, uh, you're supporting a local car club a lot of times. Um, you're meeting good people and it's, uh, you know, I think the old vehicles are important to have them stay around, like with all the electric stuff coming you know, we're talking about V8s and gas and all this stuff. Like, like I think this stuff's going to be around um, and it's going to stay. But but I, th- I think the growl of the, the 350 V8 engine, um, you know, you don't get that with an electric engine. And that we're going to miss probably someday. So, And that's, that's where I have to say right here and now, thank goodness for oil and gas. Mm-hmm. You know, you really appreciate that, especially from northern Alberta, when it's minus 40 like it was recently. Yeah. I, I just don't think... It's a good idea. Electric cars, solar energy, all that jazz. It's a great idea. And and I think that really is the future. But we are not there today or tomorrow. We have to slowly progress into it. Yeah, like I think like I think the problem is, is that you, you can't handcuff an industry in our country... And uh, when when the rest of the world is still producing and creating pollution and stuff like that, we want to be a part of a solution. But uh, 
we got to be real. Like, like keeping our houses warm, our vehicles running. Um, you know, like that's just a fact right now of life. We, we want to do what's right for the environment, but we have to get everybody on board. And uh, I think we will eventually. But, but I, th I think we can't keep handcuffing ourselves as a country. Like we can't keep pumping money into stuff that isn't going to make a difference because nobody else is involved in it but us. And, and, and then our people in our country are all suffering because of it. Like, like you got to figure it out, right? We, want, we, want, we don't need to be the leader in everything in this world. We can follow and, and play a part. But, but do we want to be the leader in everything that handcuffs our country so we can't survive? Like, like I love electric power. I love these electric cars. They're cool. I, I thought about buying a hybrid. If it had worked out for me, I would have bought one. Maybe my next vehicle would be electric. I think Alice wants to get electric maybe next time. Um, hey, and by the way, awesome stuff. Like, I think it's cool. But, you know, we got to be reasonable about, you know, like I, like I know some guys that had electric vehicles that through that cold snap, they weren't working very good. And they're still not working today. They haven't got them fixed since the cold snap. So... And I, I just don't understand how people can rag on the oil industry, especially in Canada in particular, when we have one of the cleanest, if not the cleanest, oil reserves in all of the world. So like we're we have high standards when we deploy this sort of technology and we get ragged on for it still. And we import all of our resources from places like Saudi Arabia. I just don't understand that. Yeah, I think uh, I think buying locals a the statement there. Yeah. Why aren't we using our own oil? If we're handcuffed on selling it elsewhere, why aren't we at least buying our own oil? Like, like that's where I have a real problem with what's going on. Um, the problem's probably bigger than I could ever figure out. We should get an oil guy on here someday to come and tell us yeah. what, what is the problem? Like, like, you know, like why would we buy our, our resources from other countries when we can buy them from ourselves? At least if we can't sell them elsewhere truck them on a pipeline then why aren't we buying them ourselves seems like a pretty simple solution to the average business guy but yeah that's a that's a talk for another day that we could easily uh spend a million years on <laughs> yeah get down to brass tacks with people that need to have those questions grilled in their face we're talking about local right yeah what what makes Leduc unique in your eyes because we've lived here both of us for a long time i want to know what you think our community of Leduc makes it unique. Well, I think in my in my shoes, what makes Leduc unique to me is I went to school here, so I know a lot of people um, through school. Um, and, and, and when I was young, in grade eight, Bob Young, of course, fresh guy at a university, shows up at Caledonia, and he's he's my shop teacher. So now I know Bob Young, the mayor, and and I get along great with him. I, I like Bob a lot. I think he's a, a guy that can talk to people. Um, you know, he's a legit person that if you got a problem, you can talk to Bob and Bob's got time for you. Um, and he's always a, a positive guy. Like, like he might not like every suggestion that I have or people have, but he's always willing to hear you and talk to you and give it a try. Right. So suggestion, Sean, are you an advisor now? I didn't know this. No, I'm not an advisor, <laughs> but, but you know what though? I do feel that I can talk to people within the city and they, they do talk and I get to, I get a feel for what's going on. Um, in, in no way do I have any impact on what's going on in the city, but 
but I do feel like the, there's lots of guys at the city that are my friends that that if I did have a problem and I felt something was strong enough that I that I wanted to believe in something that that was worth going to to talk about, I, I would be heard and and I'd have a fair opportunity for for what I believed in to at least be looked at. Um, and I believe that. So when I hear somebody talk about Bob, they don't like what Bob's doing. You know, when I ask them, I say, hey, you know, what what is your problem? You know, like, you don't like this? Tell me why. And you know what? Sometimes I ask them and they can't tell me what their problem is. They're just not happy. But but sometimes they'll tell me something. By the way, I can go to Bob and say, hey, Bob, this guy's, this guy's talking to me and he doesn't like this. You know, like, and Bob will, will look at that. He takes stuff that I think is uh, important and he listens to it. And I think he, I think he looks at everything he does and it's an important decision to him. He's got time for the people. And, and, and so do a lot of these counselors that we have uh, in, in our area. Like, I think they're all, I, I've gotten to know over the years, uh, you know, Glenn Finstead and, you know, and others there that, that I think are really good people. You know, I think they're people first and they got into doing what they're doing because they love what they're doing. Um, you know, like, like sometimes I think, Hey, I should go be a politician because I would like to do that. But, but I realize the commitment that, that these guys have to put in. And I, myself, I don't think that I really have the commitment to do what they do. It's, it's, it takes a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of love for what you do. And, uh, you know, I got lots of ideas, but I'm a guy that loves to throw ideas out and then kind of move on to the next thing. Right. When you got ideas, you got to do something about them when you're a, a political guy and, uh, I'm well, not the best at that kind of stuff. And, and especially in this digital world today and in light of what we've gone through in the last couple of years, I think the last thing on my docket would be to be a politician because you're, you're like marked for death always, no matter what decision you make. You gotta have thick skin. Like gotta have thick uh, skin. You're never right. Like, like, yeah, like, like COVID. Nobody's ever right. I, I don't want to bring up COVID because we'll get off on a side traffic. But you're never right, right? Like, there's too many different opinions. So that's the point, though. We need to always keep the dialogue going from both sides. You yeah. know what I mean? It's really healthy to have those discussions, whether you agree with it or not. We have to always have the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we can all be respectful about it. Some people need some lessons to learn in terms of their response to it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, like, um, hey, like right now we're going through a, a time where this vaccination thing is becoming a, a hot topic, right? Like, like, like the governments are trying to force people to be vaccinated in some sort of way, right? And you know, I'm a guy that's vaccinated. Obviously, my family's all vaccinated. I have. I have people that I work with that uh, aren't vaccinated. And by the way, I think they should get vaccinated. Um, but um, I, I got a belief that I, I don't really feel that the government should really tell people that they have to be vaccinated. I think that I think that people have to make a decision and uh, you hope they're going to make the right decision in what you believe in, in which might not always be right. Right. But but I don't know that the government, like like my friend Cy Young, who we're going to have on here one of these days, military guy, um, you know, a veteran, uh, local local guy that's been around for a lot of years. I said, Cy, I said, I said, like you fought for people to have a decision, to be able to make their own decisions. So you want everybody to be vaccinated. Is that really what you fought for? Like you think the government should give 
and, and, and he's frustrated, right? Because he wants everybody to be vaccinated. He doesn't want his friends to get sick. Well, that's a tough, tough, tough answer, right? Like, like you fought for this and people want to do what they want to do. They don't want to be told what to do. You know, now what do you do? And, 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 I, and, I, and I don't know what the right answer is. I don't even want to get into the fighting what's right and wrong because I don't care. I'm vaccinated. And if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's okay. You know, I'm protected, but I don't want you to get sick. You know, like I, I tell friends that aren't vaccinated, I said, listen, I, I think you should get vaccinated because I, I don't want to see you get sick. I don't want you to die possibly, right? Like we don't want that, right? So, so, so I got my beliefs, but, but uh, I want us to get over this thing because we've all rode through COVID. And I think that the light's at the end of the tunnel and, uh, you know, I want to get back to normal life. So don't know what's coming next. None of us do, but, but um, I think we got to listen to our medical professionals and, and try to let them make those decisions and trust. And actually, I'll throw one other thing out really quickly to you. I, through COVID, I had a customer in here, right? And this might help people understand what we're going through. And he was, he was a, a descendant of Europe. He come from Europe. And, and, and we were talking in here and we talked about the shot, right? And he said to me, he said to me, he said to me, Sean, I'm not getting vaccinated. And I, and I said, I said, why wouldn't you get vaccinated? I said, like the government, you know, like they're making this vaccine. It's changing the world. We're all going to be better because of because he goes, yeah, but that's, that's what you believe, Sean. The government's told you to get vaccinated and you're getting vaccinated because the government told you to. He goes, this is the difference between me and you. He goes, where I came from in Europe, and I don't even know, recall which country it was. He says, Sean, the difference is this. Where I come from, the government is always corrupt. So when the government tells you to do something, you question everything the government tells you to do. The government tells you to get vaccinated. You don't get vaccinated because you don't trust the government. In Canada, we trust the government. But I, where I come from, do not trust what the government tells me to do. So that's why we don't go get vaccinated because we are nervous about what we're told. And I, and I thought about it and I said, you know what? That's a pretty interesting perspective that I never in a million years would have thought about. So there's lots of different things behind the scenes that are causing these problems that we have that uh, I don't know how you change them. You know, that's well said, Sean. I really enjoyed listening to that. I like that's just goes back to what I said earlier about having this dialogue. You know, that's really important. And all I'll comment about that is, you know, um, everybody's different. Yeah. And, and I just think we just got to, I don't know if you saw that movie with Will Ferrell, Semi-Pro. Yeah. E-L-E. Everybody oh, yeah. love everybody. That's all I yeah, care yeah. about. Well, you got it, yeah, and you got to make the right decisions, like what's what's right for you, mm-hmm. and uh, you know these days I just want things to get back to normal. Yes, I absolutely agree with that statement. Uh, getting back to normal—that's what we all want, I think. And one last thing that I will add about this is that I just really hope that moving forward, people can become more tolerant to differing viewpoints. I think it's really key uh, as functioning human beings that we have respect and love for one another, no matter what our views and political affiliations are. I think we're a really divided society right now for a lot of reasons. And what can bring us together is our tolerance and love towards each other and finding some actual common ground. At the end of the day, I just want to live in a free democratic society. And if you can't have an opinion, if you can't challenge something, if you can't talk about it in a wholesome manner, that's not really democratic to me. 
if you're being attacked for everything you say on both sides. And that's why I like Shatter the Glass, because we listen to all viewpoints here. It's not about who's right and wrong. It's about having everybody having a voice and respecting that no matter what they say and having that healthy dialogue between each other. Everybody's been through something different in the last two years and in their life in general. And we just have to pay homage to that. We have to have our ears open. In theory, collectivism is a nice idea. You know, a community uniting, having each other's back, doing what's best for everybody. But at the same time, individualism is just as important because we're seeing, especially today, just how different we all are from each other. We all have different needs, different values, different beliefs. Canada is all about diversity and inclusivity. Okay, that's awesome. But it has to apply in all facets of society then. It can't apply to this and then not to that. That's inconsistent. And whatever you decide to do, Sean, with your life or your body or anything, it makes no difference to me. That's your right as a free individual to make that choice. I don't think any less of you whatsoever. I respect that you have a right to make choices for yourself. Period. I see big things on the horizon for for our town, our country. You know, you asked me about Leduc. Hey, you know what? Leduc's a great town. You know, Canada's a great country. You know, we're lucky to live where we do. Um, you know, I think Leduc's on the on the on the positive movement towards good business, revitalizing the town, growing it in the right directions. Um, you know, I think it's a place where people want to live. It's got all the right right things that you need to live in a good town. It's got the airport, it's got highways, it's got businesses, it's got uh, smart people running it, it's got businesses that are growing in it, it's got the oil patch, people in Nisku that support the town. You know, I think uh, I think there's lots to be, be uh, excited about in this area. Now, Sean, as, as a business owner, and if you could please a little bit... Um... It's been a while since we talked, and I know we touched on it in the past, but if you could give the audience a bit of a summary of what your business, Alice Embroidery, does, and also um, touch up a little bit on how you guys navigated uh, these difficult times with the uh, struggling economy and you know COVID restrictions and stuff like that. How have you guys uh, propelled yourselves through that? Okay, well, we're a business we started in 2004. Um, Alice started it uh, with, a, with an embroidery machine that we got from a buyout that I got from when we moved from Victoria when we owned a Marksville Gross in downtown Victoria. So that's how we started our business as one machine. And then we grew it into a business that, you know, we do business now all over, really all over the world, right? We, we do online stores, we ship, um, we do stuff locally in our business. Um, you know, we're currently right now doing a renovation in, in our own condo project here where we're going to be moving down to the other, other end and we're going to have two bays there. Um, so we're doing a bit of an expansion in, in times that are tough, but the reason why we're doing it is that because I believe you got to do, um, growth and spend money and invest money in your community when times are tougher. Like, like we bought cars, my daughter's bought a car, I bought a car, my wife's bought a car all during COVID because I believe you got to keep spending money. You got to keep the things rolling. You got, you can't shut your wallets down. You got to. You got to dig down, you got to keep plowing ahead, and you got to, you, you cannot um, go backwards. You have to be positive. 
you got to move money you got to do what you got to do so we are expanding in this in these tougher times um business we had a good fall a solid fall of business and and by the way it's just like you when you got a job i i don't think there's any luck in business you you got to build business you got to work for business you know there's lots of business that i don't get and i go hey why didn't i get that business you know maybe people got better people to do business with i I have no idea, but but you can't ever figure out why, and you'll never know why. All you can do is worry about what's going on within your four walls, and try to make your own opportunities to do good business, and keep positive, and look for opportunities, and surround yourself with great people. Like when you run a business, and when you work in a business, and customers, you need to survive by having great people work with you. The pe- people will look after you. Just like through COVID, I'm sure customers came and bought stuff off of us that didn't necessarily need it, but they bought stuff just to support us. And and I got that feel that was going on. So it's an interesting uh, time. It's an emotional time. Anyway, um, so we woke up when we got shut down and we had to send... You know, COVID was going on, right? So, so four of my people are going, hey, we'll go on the uh, subsidies. And four of us stayed working. So, uh, tough times. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to hear that, Sean. It's, uh, we all go through these uh, tough times in those last two years. And it's, um, it's a tough t- uh, terrain to navigate. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that just brings out the best in people sometimes too, right? It just shows that you're all tight-knit and uh, you do what you can to, to yeah, yeah. survive, right? Well, you know, we woke up one day. You know, tough stories, right? So there's four of us here. Morgan, Alice, me, Jessica. And we had nothing to do. There's no more customers. You're shut down. You know, so we're sitting at this table that you and I are sitting at right now. We're looking at each other and go, okay, what do we do? We got now in my business, I got a backlog of business of stuff we can work on, right? So I got about two months worth of work chugging along in a slow speed, right? So, so there's four of us left, three have gone on the COVID plan, one's a single mother, um, you know, two are. You know, two are just, they went their own way. They they went to go on the plan. They're getting paid that way, right? So thank goodness for that because I I couldn't afford probably to pay everybody. We didn't have enough to do and I didn't have enough money. So so anyway, so so we kept four of us. We kept working. Um, you know, some people would come in, but we wouldn't see many people. Like if we got two people in a week coming through our door, that was probably it, right? So... So we had business though, and, 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 and what's great about my business is, like I say, you got a backlog, so if you got trouble, you can kind of keep working with the door shut, and things are going. And by the way, people are ordering stuff online, and by the way, Morgan was a huge, uh, a huge piece of this thing being uh, better to manage, because with the online store business... We could reach out to people all over North America and Tyler Smith came along. We did this not alone thing and it exploded. So, so not alone, we were doing all this not alone stuff, you know, making money, raising money for 
you know, people, they were going through tough times and, and all this stuff, right? Mental illness. And, and, but we got a job at least. We're doing business, right? We got something to do. And, 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 and we're building online stores and we're, you know, we're trying to, you know, we started to manufacture face masks for FR customers in our area that we would buy coveralls off of. But now we're making their, uh, these masks for them cutting them out of FR fabric, sewing them um, for cost prices. So I'm like making, I'm cutting FR fabric. I'm, I'm sewing ear flaps on them. Um, we're making this product and we're making about $2 a mask sewing this stuff. So we're not making any money, but at least we got something to do, right? So we're doing all this goofy stuff, right? But, but everybody's working hard. We got, we got some money coming in, um, you know, and then we decide to do a reno. So we start painting our walls. We start, you know, cleaning up stuff. We start looking at our business. We start doing all this stuff. And, we're, and we keep busy, right? Like a, like, like a year goes by. And we're just like, and things get better, right? Things start to open up. And, and we're going, hey, this is going to be awesome. We're getting back to normal life. Well, then we get shut down again. And we're all like, uh, we're all like going, like, what the hell, man? Like, this is unbelievable, right? Things were getting better. And now it's going backwards. And. And, and by the way, I brought back a lot of my people, you know, things were, things were starting to happen. And by, and by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, this is a really important thing. Um, the governments, both federal and, uh, provincially, you know, they stepped up, right? Like they stepped up to help us because it was, uh, you know, that money was uh, big. It really was, you know, you'd eat at it. So, uh, so we reinvested that money into our business and, uh, you know, we just kept chugging along. So, um, I'm thankful f- for all the, uh, for the government, um, you know, people that put down the federal government and stuff, um, whether you're a Trudeau guy, a, uh, a conservative guy, I learned one thing, they're all the same, you know, government's government. Um, they all try to do their best whether they can or not, is uh, often controlled by many different extreme factors. But, but the government stepped up and helped everybody out. So I don't criticize the government much. They, they looked after us, right? I keep my mouth shut. People ask me about the government, I, I don't say much. It's a tough topic. Well, Sean, I really appreciate your personal story. I like yeah. listening to personal stories and, and what people go through. Um, especially since everybody's situation over the last two years is unique in their own yeah, right. Yeah, people, people I, suffered. I, I applaud your work ethic, and that's, to me, the highlight of the two years. And it's tough times, and, and it's horrible that, that some businesses well, had to close. But to see your resilience and see you persevere through that and you and your family working together to find that silver lining and keep going strong, I really appreciate that, and I applaud you. Thanks, Zane. I, I know you're going to wrap me up on this one. It kind of leads into... Um, what I want to talk about next with you as a business owner, you know, we, we live in a digital age, right? And, uh, you know, lots of people, actually most people, I should say, uh, get their stuff online and, and you have a heavy presence online when it comes to sales, right? Um, you don't want to s- s- admit that, you know, with, with hardship comes opportunity, but, you know, with, with people being home now quite often, uh, they, they're resorting to online services, right? Um, 
is it's fair to say that you present yourself with an opportunity there to get in that realm of online sales, which you're already involved in, you said, for the last five or six years with Shopify and whatnot. Um, how do you as a business um, seize that opportunity and, and kind of navigate the technological landscape, which is probably a newer realm for you personally as well, because um, it's always changing, right? There's new trends out there all the time. So how, how do you navigate that? Well, in my world, the the online customer is an, an important customer, right? Like we're trying to tap into that online custom type of product, right? It opens up a, you know, I can sell stuff. Like I sold hoodies on that, that Not Alone store. We, we shipped hoodies to Australia. We shipped hoodies to Europe, um, supporting the causes that we're doing there. Like we, so we've done business all over the world, right? Like, um, and, and, and that's all Morgan's. My daughter Morgan, she runs that business and she's learning that business. She's very good at it. Um, and we're trying to find ways to streamline it and make it um, even easier to run that business um, and build it. But there still is the brick and mortar that people come through the door. They want to talk to you, feel and touch. And, and that's what's great with the custom business, right? We get to, we get to talk to people, um, you know, get to see them and get to know our customers in, in terms of when they come into the building. Um, and that's still very important and word of mouth, um, which is, whether it be online or people coming through the door is still, I think our best, uh, you know, growing, uh, tool, people talking about the product and how it was delivered and, you know, and, and, and we're accessible, right? You can come and call us or talk to us, right? It's important that we get back to people. Um, but yeah, like, like the, like the online business is, is big, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to throw in the towel on people who still want to come through the door and shop like, like they're there. Um, I love those guys. I like the online. Um, I don't shop online. I'm not an online shopper. I go to Canadian tire. I go to, I go to my sport checks. I go to my, you know, I, I, I'm still a shopper, right? I like to touch and feel stuff. Um, but, you got to open your mind to the new way of doing business and, and, and we are, and, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Like we're, we're, our new shop that we're building, we're really, um, integrating in the aspects of doing custom and shipping. So we're going to actually have a shipping receiving area to move boxes and, you know, I don't know how many thousands of packages we shipped last fall, but it was, uh, it's big. It's a, t it's a tough business to manage in the custom world, but, but we're doing it and we're trying to do it at a fair price. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, very interesting. It's, it's a, it's a topic that we're really working on every day to try to define it and refine it and make it, uh, smooth under our walls when we're working with it. Um, the supply chain's been interrupted for obvious reasons. Um, how has your business felt those effects? Yeah, we've had battles. Like, uh, we went through a hat shortage. Um, you know, Obviously, getting products to Canada, manufactured overseas, um, received and delivered has been a big issue in all aspects of business for everybody. Um, it brings up a topic, though, that I think that we need, really need to look at as a, as a country. Like, in Trump, whether you uh, love him or hate him, um, he did have one good thing that he really believed in. And that was, let's get back to manufacturing in the U.S. or in North America. And I really think as a country, 
um, you know, in Canada, I think we got to look at manufacturing product in our own, our own country again. Like, like we have to get building places to manufacture product. Like, why are we buying stuff overseas that we could be building here and making here? Now, people always have excuses, right? Oh, we don't have people to do those jobs. Well, maybe we do. Maybe there's ways we can manufacture and try to find a way to start to build stuff back here again. Like Alberta, we got nothing but space. You know, a pet peeve of mine is we pumped a billion dollars or how many billion dollars into that pipeline that we knew when Biden got elected that he was going to shut down. But Kenny, and you know what, it's hindsight, but... They shut the pipeline down that we invested a billion dollars. And my point is, as a business guy, hey, what could we have done with that billion dollars? Like, could we have built a manufacturing facility for cars? I don't know. Like, like in Alberta, could we make a brand of car? I don't know. Like, like there's got to be ways that we can manufacture and start to use our own resources and our people and our tech industry and our ability to manufacture to, to, to make our country better. And, and why we don't do that? I'll never understand. Yeah, it goes back to, I think, a mismanagement of resources. I think we need to kind of reanalyze that aspect a bit and kind of take care of it first before we, we extend our, our reach outward. We need to take care of our own first yeah. and, and find better ways to utilize our resources. And, and what we're going to find too, and it's, and it's been happening now for the last four years, and by the way, this is probably a good thing that's happening, is that like in places like China you know, Indonesia, all these countries that, that the people within the four walls that work in the manufacturing industries weren't really treated probably as good as they could be. I wasn't there, so I can't tell you a, a firsthand experience and I'm not going to go even into this, but, but I don't think they were probably treated and paid probably as fairly as maybe they could have been or should have been. And now what's happening is that they're becoming more industrialized and the people are starting to make more money and it's costing more money and we're shipping it across the ocean and it's getting more expensive and now we're realizing that hey it's not quite as cheap as it used to be so we could be probably more competitive now and 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 those options should be available within our within our country and i i would love to see the government somehow start to look at taking all the space we have and maybe starting to look at manufacturing stuff within, within Canada. Um, anyway, it's, it, it's a, it's a, it, maybe it's a dream. I don't know, but, but to me, it would make a lot of sense that if I was buying ball caps, why couldn't we have a ball cap manufacturing facility in central Alberta that makes ball caps and sells them all over North America to how many million people that wear ball caps and make money? Like, to me, that doesn't sound like a stretch. Well, and think how many jobs that creates, too. It's all good for the economy, right? Unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, it, it, and hey, could the government take those billions of dollars we piss around with and, 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 and get some people involved in starting facilities that could make money? Could, could they be, like, I know the government doesn't really want to be involved in business, but, but is there ways to get people to start to think about manufacturing within our country. I'd love to see that. I think it would change us. Um, you know, like like we could pick a couple of businesses that maybe we could be number one in the world in manufacturing, I don't know, but like oil and resources, we are in terms of a, a big business, but 
is so controversial and so tiring sometimes that, you know, can we get into something simple and maybe make some money? I don't know. It's disturbing, though, that we're also in, like, billions of dollars of debt as a country. So yeah. we need to solve that problem first and foremost. Stop acting like it's not existent, because that's a problem. Okay, well, you're a young guy, and here's my opinion on that. We've been in debt ever since I was your age. And you know what? We, we were in debt in Alberta till Ralph Klein came along and got us out of debt. But there's one thing I noticed. We were in debt before Ralph Klein, and we are out of debt when Ralph Klein was here, and then we are back in debt again. And you know what? I noticed no difference on the impact of me. So whether my government's in debt or not, I don't know that that debt is really impacting me at the bottom line. Like, like I think the governments have debt, and I think that they, it's a number, and whether it's ever going to really get paid back or not, I don't think it may ever get paid back. I have no clue. But when oil starts kicking in, it seems like we can raise a ton of cash if we want to, and we could pay a debt off real fast. But I don't really want them cutting everything back, paying back the debt, if we don't have to. Like, like you know, why, why, why stunt our growth for another I, bunch of years when we worry about a debt that nobody cares about? I see what you're saying, but at the same time, though, what might not affect you today could down the road. What might could. not, what isn't affecting you right now, affects somebody else, somebody else living next door to you. You it know what could. I mean? And look, this is a discussion for another time, and and we're not on here to bash anything. We're we're just trying to tell it like it is. And, you know, from my personal point of view and many others who I've talked to, you know, printing too much money is a problem, especially when we don't even have it. As a country who's a big player in the global economy, money's not a bottomless pit. There's been spending issues since the dawn of time. But the fact of the matter is, prices are high right now. It's inflation. We can't ignore that. It's not a problem that's going to go away on its own. Money's got to circulate. We don't but know. we were talking about the debt when I was 19 years old in this country, and the debt has always been there, and nothing has changed in terms of what I do day to day because of the debt. That's been my experience. Hmm. So you can take that any way you want, but the last thing I know is when Ralph Klein tried to clean up the debt, and by the way, I liked Ralph Klein um, for many of the things he did. Um, but he, he caused some suffering around the country to clean up the debt. And by the way, in the end, he did that. And you know what? It didn't matter about what the debt was. It, did, it had no bearing on anything I did. He just drove everybody out of, the, out of Alberta and they all went to BC where they could get free stuff. Like, that's all that happened. The debt, we got a $250 check because we were out of debt. You know, give me the debt and keep moving on. Like, last thing we want to do is stifle our economy to pay back debt, as far as I'm concerned. I think the solution to that, though, is like the balance of things. You know, find a way to, if you possibly could, pay that off, but also balance it out so that we can create more jobs and utilize the resources that are just sitting there. Hint, hint, oil. Yeah, you know? the, oil, the oil will pay the debt off very quickly. 100%. That's, that's what I think. But I mean, again, I'm just a young, naive person that, that doesn't uh, know how the world works to its full extent, I, I just I'm just telling you what I what I think and based on what I believe. So, hey, it's a resource we have. Yeah, people are going to use it in the world. Let's let's uh, take advantage of what we have and sell it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense to me. Mm -hmm.
you know? Totally. You you told me, Sean, we can kind of shift things to a lighter tone here as we end the show. Yeah, yeah. Sean, I saw on your social media there that you played basketball, an actual, like, game for the first time in I don't know how long. How how was that? Well, I I started my friend Campbell, got me into this basketball... uh, I think it's. I think we're called the old, old school basketball league in town, right? So it's so it's a bunch of basketball fanatics from high school that have made a league of four teams. Now I'm a, I'm a. I play volleyball and hockey and golf and all this stuff. Basketball, I love the game of basketball. I coached basketball. Taylor was a really good basketball player. My daughter, um, and I used to tell him to run like maniacs, but I didn't have to run. So, so I show up to play basketball. And I realized that you can't glide in basketball, right? So, so you're running, you're running around chasing guys, and you get really, really tired, and your brain's telling you to stop running, but you know that you got to chase that guy. And the minute your feet stop, you're not moving anymore. So, so, so I had I had to make some decisions where, hey, do I chase that ball down low? Because if I lose the ball. I'm running it all the way back down that court, and I'll tell you, man, it, uh, it playing basketball. Um, I, I like I say, I play volleyball, I golf, I do all this stuff. Basketball, I think, is probably the most uh, demanding sport to be in shape. Like hockey, you can glide. You know, volleyball, you could. You know, it's a it's a few moments of hard going, but then you wait for the next serve, right? But basketball, you're going hard, man. Yeah, I get that all the time with beer league hockey. I'm picking my moments. I, I like <laughs> I like to back check and, and get that feeling, you know, nice. from, from the bench that say, yeah, good good, good back yeah. check, good defensive play there, Zaner. But uh, I, I sure do pick my moments because I'm an offensive guy at heart. Yeah, yeah. So, so I need to kind of kind of prepare myself to exert that energy and save myself yeah. from that and yeah. let ever, somebody else that's more defensively reliable do that. Yeah. But I hear you with the basketball thing. You, you can't just glide on your skates when you're tired. You, basketball, you got to keep up with the pace. Basketball, you got to keep up with the pace. And, and, and like I say, you got to make decisions on whether you want to really get down too low because you got a runner all the way back. And, uh, and I saw some guys get pretty tired and I kind of chuckled because we were playing in the second game. And I'd see the odd guy just stop dead in his tracks. I go, "What's he doing?" And he'd stop for like about seven or eight seconds, and then he'd start moving again, right? And, and then when I got playing, I realized, yeah, like, like your brain is going, "Hey, man, like you got to stop, or you're gonna, your heart's gonna explode." But then, but then you got to get back because if uh, if Vince May gets away from me, and gets two points, that that guy that's playing basketball for his life, he's gonna be pissed at you. So, so I had to run up and down that court, and. Uh, and you know what? After I did it, after the game, I kind of got I got feeling a little better about it. I was nervous about all this running, right? But uh, my legs today are still pretty stiff. Uh, but anyway, it was uh, you know it's a it's a killer sport. It's uh, I'm excited to play. Um, you know I love I love the love the basketball, and I and I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, the keeping in shape aspect of basketball, like running. It, when I did my hip, I never really ran since I did my hip. I've done all these sports where I can glide and stuff and, and move softly. This is a true running sport. And actually I found out the other day that, that I felt good running. So I'm less nervous about it. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually the hip uh 
the hip really held up well to the running, which I was I was really surprised because I thought it was going to be a little clunky. Hmm. But uh, I learned how to run a bit with it. You and can't go through an airport uh, metal detector, though, can you? You'll get well, I, you'll, you'll get the beep, right? I go through, but I go through, and it takes a while because generally they're always going to pull me aside. I, my brother Patrick, who's done both of his, we went to uh, we went to South Carolina a few years ago, and we got caught up in the airport. So two of us go through, and there's there's three fake hips out of four. <laughs> <laughs> so so you should have seen how long it took us to get through the through all the wanding and searching and you know like because the beepers are going off like crazy right so they're checking us out pretty hard because who thought you know you got two guys there with three fake hips out of four i got one he's got two so so anyway yeah it's pretty humorous at the airport um because they because then that red flags you and now you got to get checked out it's like holy cow so anyway yeah it does take a little longer to get on the airplane alice doesn't like going through the check-in with me actually she's told me because i take too long (laughs) I've known you my whole life, and I know that you're a really personable, likable guy. You're always out and about talking to people. Yeah. Um, just to kind of close off the, the segment here, how important is is face-to-face contact still? You know, uh, word-of-mouth marketing. I know this is a real um, digital world that we live in today. That, that plays a huge role in businesses that operate now. But is there still a place for face-to-face contact and spreading word of mouth sort of information to help your business. Does that play a huge role? Well, I think if, I think if you're a salesman, you know, like uh, you're selling something, um, you know, you could have a great product, you know, and when you go to sell a product, you really, you really have to show the features and the benefits of a product, right? So, so when I sell a product to you, Zane, I, I, I'm telling you about the features and the benefits that work for you. Now, the only way that I can tell what really matters to you is by your reaction. So, so I think when you're working online, selling stuff to people with no reaction is, you really don't know if they're happy or not. And, and, and I think that what we don't get with online shopping, with the digital age, is we hear all about this great stories about shopping online. I can do it from my house and blah, blah, blah. You know, I might get a better deal. By the way, I don't think you get a better deal anymore. Like Amazon is as expensive as Staples, is as expensive as Canadian Tire. You know, you gotta shop for your deals. But here's what I do know, um, is that is that you don't hear the negative stories. Like I know that my kids and my wife buy clothing online and I think that it fits them properly about 50% of the time. So those items that they buy that don't work out, do they send them back? Do they sell them to somebody else? You know, what do they do with that? Like that's instantly lost money, a pain in the ass. You know, I got to figure it out. It can't feel good when it doesn't work out. So like the, when we talk about marketing, we talk about digital age, we talk about communication. You know, when we have a problem in business, my people are texting and emailing people and trying to figure it all out. Well, really, you can't get a feel for a person other than if you can hear the tone of their voice, the expression on their face, the reaction of their body, to know whether you are really solving a problem or reading a person, I think. And, that, and that's really what we're losing with all this digital, with all this online, with all this stuff. Like people aren't really communicating probably as good as they could. And 
I think that we probably lose a lot of valuable time worrying about stuff that if we picked up a phone or went and seen somebody that uh, we could probably solve more problems. Well, and you're seeing today too on websites that you visit retail, there's artificial intelligence, bots. You're, you're literally talking to robots. Yeah. I understand how that, that could be more convenient from like a business standpoint where you could save money not having to hire like a sales associate to just have somebody right then and there to contact that person who's a potential lead on their website that goes on the website and to talk to them instantly. I get I get the convenience of that, but you're still sacrificing an important element, which is just the face-to-face -face interaction. Okay, so, so that brings up an interesting angle on this. Like, like okay, so you'd call Talus, right? Talus, somebody in India picks up your call and instantly you're trying to communicate and it's hard to them to get often understanding what's going on right because there's a bit of a communication problem there and I believe that TELUS believes that they can go to India and hire anybody who can handle our problems in North America and probably they're doing it because they can pay less money to have people work for them there I'm thinking don't want to say that for sure but I'm thinking that, hey, if I go to India and hire 100 people to do my tech service, they probably cost way less than 100 people in Canada. Or, or they might use the old excuse that, hey, in Canada, we can't find anybody that wants that job, which I don't like as a business guy. But, but companies can be lazy and their solution is just to go somewhere else where it's easier to hire people that won't disagree with anything they say and just, just sit there and take it, right? So, so I think sometimes companies think that's awesome to do that, but I think it's bad for our economy. But... The, the, the communication aspect is ruined, right? Like if I was going to make a sale, um, I want the best person that I have communicating with my important customer, right? Like there's a value to a person that can talk, speak, listen, um, handle uh, people's problems and make them better and make a sale and, and make things work, right? So, so, so the value of communication and knowledge and salesmanship, um, I think is still there. And, and, and companies like you work for, they're looking for people. And by the way, they're worth a lot of money. Like the, like, like people that communicate and sell stuff and talk to people, if you can do that job, you are going to be worth a ton of money right now and down the road. Like, like car lots. Hey, everybody hates the car sales guy. Hey, the car sales guy, a good car sales guy right now. He's making killer cash if he's got cars to sell. But in a normal time, a guy that can sell something in this economy, in our new world, is worth a lot of money because the new people coming up can't talk to anybody. So, so they talk to you, you come through the door and you've got a problem and you're looking for something, you got to be able to communicate. And if you can't do that, well, then you're probably better off working online. And maybe this is a time to kind of adapt to the changing landscape of the economy because... Of how bad the supply chain is because I have a friend whose dad is a car salesman and they said they barely have any cars on their lots to tough sell on the car guy yep yeah so it's very it, tough it's it's such a hard landscape to navigate right now it's so unpredictable it is like like the cars will come back and and you know what I love the car business I love cars you know I, ultimately I'd love if I could own a car dealership I'd be in the car business hmm. like I love cars and because I find the product very interesting. I love interesting stuff. 
And cars to me are very cool. So, so I love the car sales. And by the way, I, I think the guys run car lots like Schwab's and, and the Nissan guys in town here, Go Auto. We do business with Go Auto. Um, you know, like, like I really, I really think they're in an interesting business. It's, it, it's hard work. You know, you, it's a lot of, you know, you don't win all the time. You lose a lot of time, lose more than you win. But I think a great sales guy and they're out there can make a big difference to a company these days. You're selling stuff. You need a guy that can talk to people, listen to people, explain product, take the time to listen to you. Isn't trying to, you know, get ready at texting on the phone. You're trying to talk. They're there to help you make the right decision. A guy that can do that in this economy, he is going to be very successful wherever he wants to go because salespeople and good ones are are, are not around. Oh, that's uh, that's interesting, Sean. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, like sometimes when I was a kid in school, right, all those guys that didn't fit into the box, right, that they were always having trouble in class. They were always couldn't sit there for 45 minutes. You know, they were always kind of having trouble. A lot of those guys were great communicators that I know now. They own businesses. They can talk to people. They're problem solvers. And they got an ability to run a business. And, it's, and, 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 and you know, we always kind of look back on stuff. And, you know, some of those guys, I don't know if there was a skill there or if the guy couldn't sit in the classroom and you know, I don't know what it was, but those guys became great sales guys. Communication's a really interesting beast. It, it, it's, everybody's different, right? Everybody absorbs information differently. They learn differently. Yep. And they apply their skills differently. And you just see how everybody's paths um, separate eventually. It, do, it doesn't mean that just because you didn't try hard in school doesn't mean you're not intelligent. It just means that your interests were elsewhere and you applied it to other things moving forward. Yep. And you can have a lot of success that way. And there's a, there's a lot of hidden geniuses with something really special deep down inside yeah, of them that, that they find later on in life. Yeah, there is. Like, uh, I've met kids over the years that had the natural ability to be salespeople. They're few and far between. You could teach kids to be salespeople, teaching them about the steps to a sale, teaching them to listen to customers, find out their features, their needs, their benefits. And you could teach them to be a sales guy. But... They were good, but they were never good like the kid that had the ability, the natural ability to sell product. And and like I say, saying if you if you got a kid like that, um, in the upcoming years of business, they've they've got opportunities that will be massive because companies will pay them to be great sales guys, a lot of money, and mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting to see how they do. So if you, so the opportunities for young people these days. You know, sure, we got the digital age, we got the online shopping, but you need to have a presenter. You need to have a, a somebody with sizzle, somebody who can talk, somebody who can create hype. Hype is so important, right? Like, like when I bring an order out from the back, I don't throw a box on the floor and say, "Here's your order," right? I, I pull stuff out of the box and I go, "Hey, what do you think?" Because I'm looking for a reaction. It, it, it's a split second second minute or seconds where the, the person looks at their stuff and they, they get excited and they smile or they look at you and they go, what the hell is that? Which doesn't happen very often, but I'm a reader of people, right? 
So, so I know whether we're going to be happy or sad, you know? It's like reading people's expressions or even how they deliver it. Like on Seinfeld, when he's trying to figure out if Watley invited him to that party or not. Yeah. It's like, Jerry, I didn't think you'd show. Or Jerry, I didn't think you'd show. <laughs> exactly. <It's laughs> what, all... what did he emphasize more? Yeah. It's the ability to read people. And by the way, when I play around with people, poking at them to get a reaction, I can push them to the point, but not make them get really, really mad. Right. You know? Like I can get your dad going. <laughs> To the edge, but I never push them over the edge because you got to be able to read people mm -hmm. and, 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 and that skill is being lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's an important skill because, because if you, you mentioned Seinfeld, Seinfeld is a great show for being able to read people, play on people and, and get reactions out of people to have a big laugh. And that's really where life comes from, right? Like if you can, if you can fun around with your friends and make jokes and have fun, but nobody goes home crying um, because you didn't take it too far, then that's what's great about life, right? Yeah. You, you can have fun with each other, not poke and prod and, and, and make people feel bad. You know, if you have somebody at home that, you know, you say something funny to and you think it's funny and they take it real serious and they get upset and start to get mad about it right away, well, life's tough, right? You can't even play that way. But but anyway, it's it's an art to be able to read people, talk to people, and push things sometimes is a real art, I think. Mm. You know? And uh, just to close out the show now, Sean, you mentioned art there. Uh, oh. Do you want to give a shout out to, to your, your mom, Pat O'Gracelick? Hey, can I, can I tell the story about the art? Please Why do. it's important to me? Absolutely. You have the floor. Okay. So, so my mom, who's painted all of her life, she's a teacher by trade. You know, she's doing a little art show down at the LRC today, which I'm going to go down and buy a piece of art. Um... And you know, I know I'm not telling people to support, support or buy stuff because they feel sorry for somebody. But what, what I try to do is, and it's by, it's kind of actually, it's going to go a little off topic, but it kind of goes back to buy local. I was going to bring this up earlier. Like we always say shop local, right? Shop local. Hey, listen, I don't want anybody to shop local unless they think that the service they're getting local is good enough, Right. Like, like, last thing I want is somebody shopping local because they think it's a pity party. I want you to come in and shop for me because you're happy with what's going on. Understand that. We want an opportunity for you to shop local because I want your business. But we don't want you shopping local if you feel like, hey, you're shopping local. I don't really like that guy, but I'm going to go there anyway. You don't want that. So, so when my mom's down there painting, you know, I see these artists, right? You know, they, they buy paint, they buy these canvases, they paint and it. And, and when you get older, you need something to do. So, so a lot of these, these artists that I know through my mom, you know, this is what they do is as a hobby to keep busy, but they're also very good, right? They, they paint these pictures that are incredible. It costs, I don't know what, in time and effort and money and stuff. It's, it's gotta be fairly much. And my mom's been a painter her whole life, but you know, they do all this great work. You know, and, and and nobody will spend 45 bucks to buy a painting, right? It's kind of like, you know, with all the prints and the shit we buy from China that shows up and we look at it and we go, yeah, hey, that'll be great in my, my thing. But you got people actually doing layered acrylic painting and, and making art and, and it's important stuff and it's got a story and it's maybe of a, you know, of a local building in your own hometown or something, right? Like, like there's, there's a story to it. Um, you know, I think, I think it's important to get out 
and look at what they're doing. Because the older you get, and this is me by the way too, you may one day be that guy painting or that gal painting and you might need somebody to buy your paint, things to keep you moving ahead in your hobby. And, 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 and also too, you want to see people's reactions. You want people to come by. So, so I think it's important that we, we support these, uh, these people that are down at the LRC that are painting and doing all this stuff. It, it, it reminds me of one other story. I know I'm running along here and I know you got a timeline, but my dad, who was a, he, he, he took pictures as a hobby, right? He would take pictures of all these animals on the prairie and he'd frame them and he'd blow them up and he would, it was a hobby, right? But my dad retired and he took these pictures, he blew them up, he'd frame them. He would try to get 300, 400 bucks for these big pictures. They're really cool. The frames are worth like who knows what, right? So, so, so he decided he was going to set up in the Medicine Hat Mall. So he's got this little thing in the middle of the mall. He's got all of his paint, his pictures and his stuff and he's trying to sell it. Like this is a guy that worked in the oil patch. He was an engineer. He, he did well. He didn't need to make any money. This was a hobby for him. So, but for some reason he wanted to sell these pictures. So, so finally dad came up here and he said, he goes, you know, Sean, I go down to that, that mall and I try to sell these pictures. He goes, you know what? You know, these frames cost me a hundred bucks. You know, the pictures I blow up, ba da da da. You know, I try to ask like like four hundred bucks or three hundred bucks. people don't even want to give me a hundred bucks for this stuff that cost me four hundred bucks to make. And by the way, this is good looking stuff, right? I said, Dad, you know what? I don't understand it. You know, I I don't know why people don't spend the money. I said I said, I know you're spending money there and you want to be successful at doing this, but I think you got to look at it as a hobby. And, and, and that's when I, so, so that was a tough lesson for us all because I really wanted people to buy my dad's pictures, but, I, but I'd hear stories of how tough it was and he couldn't sell these pictures. So, so now my mom's doing this thing and I want my friends to come out and, and hopefully, you know, buy some art. You know, even if you buy a picture and put it up in your office, you know, you can tell the story. You know, hey, you're so, you're supporting local artists. You're supporting the LRC where they got their thing down there. They're paying rent or they're doing what they got to do. There's a whole bunch of mothers down there and young people that are learning a skill. Um, I, I think the older I get, I want to look at supporting, doing stuff in my community that that I can help people live a better life. So so it's important for me to see people go down there and try to. I don't just support what these people are trying to do to make it a better place. So that's why the art thing is very important to me. Like I know arts, like the arts is important to you. I know you you do poems and sing and, and stuff. And you know what? It doesn't cost a lot for us to try to help people, um, move their stuff and put it up on a wall and let people look at it. Right. So, so I'm going to, do my best. I'm going to try to get my friends to do their best and hopefully people will support, um, you know, some of these initiatives that happen in Leduc to try to make it a better town. Right. So that's why art's important. Absolutely. You know, our art, art lasts through the ages. That's why you see people still 100%. listening to music from the seventies or you see people 80s, yeah. reading Mark Twain still, you know, those are things that matter as well. Every, everything matters, but you know, we need to have 
in my opinion, equal appreciation for a lot of other things too. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's yeah. The whole arts thing is so easy to rip off on the internet too. So so you know like when you're downloading music for free, you know when Napster was out there, you know all the battles that went on about Napster to try to get the money back to the artists, right? Remember Which, LimeWire? Remember yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> 100%, man. People people were stealing the artists' money. Now I try to pay for what I what I listen to. I agree. Get out there and look at their art and hear a story and buy a picture and put it up in your kitchen or your den. And, you know, every year save a little money to buy a picture off one of those guys. For sure. Right? It's a good lesson for sure. That's great. Yeah, I'm going to buy painting right away. That's my next stop. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check that out sometime. That sounds you really should. cool. Yeah, you know what? And even get them to paint you something. Like mm-hmm. my mom is going to paint for my Christmas gift. She's going to paint my truck. That's my cool. old truck. Cool. So, so yeah. So that was my Christmas gift. So you know what? Um, you can get stuff painted. You can get stuff made. You want to do something cool? You know, it's like like you like Seinfeld. It's like the Kramer, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey. Where's the Kramer now? Everybody wants one, right? I want the Kramer. If you had the original, what's that worth? <laughs> the Kavorka. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, that's great, Sean. Well, that's all the time we have today. And okay. I really appreciate the talk that we had. I think we, uh, I think we really broke through a few barriers today, especially with uh, some glass panes. And, uh, yeah, some glass things we shattered them, man. <laughs> so, uh, Do you I got really... the sound anymore? Oh, yeah. I, I, you gonna put it on? If you listen to this episode, uh, you'll hear our, our intro. It's got some glass breaking in there. So I love that. <laughs> you'll like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for having... Well, I guess I could say thanks for having me on because yeah, you yeah. interviewed me earlier a little bit. So. Yeah, I throw it out there. I always <laughs> like to hear what you're doing. I like, I like to hear what the young people are doing, man. I, there's a lot of kids in this town that uh, you know, I, I've met over the years... You know, and it's uh, it's great to see them growing up, um, you know, getting careers, going through school. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see all these young people doing well. It's exciting. Yeah, and we'll have you on again, obviously. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on. We, we're going to get some guests. Yeah, we'll get some more guests. You're, you're definitely a staple on this uh, on this brand, so we're always happy to have you on here and provide an awesome location here at Alice Embroidery. If anybody's listening to please check out their store they have a lot of great things they got uh, custom made water bottles shirts hats you name it whatever you want they can make it so c- visit them uh good here. job good job zane in the leduc business sector right sean yeah, yeah yeah we're in the leduc business park well we're in in this in the light industrial area kind of over by the old alta gas yeah. you know right by sparrow drive there so anyways everybody uh thank you for joining us Uh, I'm your host, Zane Tomich. Thank you for tuning in to Shatter the Glass today. We'll see you next time.